Hello and welcome to Jag Bags, a discussion of all things pop culture. I'm Mike Beyer. And I'm Len Foote. And welcome to the program. You are listening live from the home studios in Woodridge, Illinois, where tonight we are talking Pixar. And uh, they've put out 23 movies, some of the most original and inventive movies of the last three decades. Len and I will get together and give you our expert take. Expertise. Yes. On these movies, we'll talk best Pixar movie. We'll talk worst Pixar movie, which is like ranking the worst Beatles album. Uh, We'll talk funniest Pixar movie, biggest tearjerker, best character, and whatever else strikes our fancy. Maybe we can discuss uh, a potential Pixar movie about the life of 38 special. I think that could be a blockbuster. Don't roll your eyes. It could happen. (laughs) All right, let's move on. Yes. Len is already contacting his agent. Uh, can we start auditions for a new partner, please? Tired. Quietly texting my agent. <laughs> my agent, Regency Van Pelt. Regency Van Pelt. My agent. You know Regency. <laughs> I have met Regency, so pompous. You tried to get him to be your agent. He, he kind of... I don't, should I tell the story? You should. Well, he laughed at me. That, that's pretty much the story. I just didn't want to. Yeah. Oh, oh, I haven't forgotten Regency. Okay. Anytime I see Regency, I'm like, you pomp it. Anyway, tonight we'll also talk MLB, uh, first two weeks of the season. We'll talk NBA as we push towards the playoffs, Bulls and Cavs. We'll talk Rolling Stone. We haven't talked uh, the top 500 albums of all time list in two weeks due to our guests. So we have a monumental section uh, that we are going to do a total speed round to get through. The Oscars are right around the corner. Len will share movies that he expects to win and movies that he hopes will win before we do our deep dive into uh, the movies of Pixar. So it should be a good one. Uh, Thanks to everyone who listened to our podcast last week. Uh, on Led Zeppelin and our uh, our fidgety guest Scott Oaken, <laughs> who was interested up to the point where he said, "Look, you know, I yeah, I've had enough of Beef and Len." Yeah, yeah. Well, Time that's to. that that's life. That's uh, that's how he treats us in life. And, uh, our little podcast. <laughs> done with our little podcast. I'll do your little podcast. <laughs> But anyway, it was very, uh, uh, it was a ratings blockbuster. And we really thank you again uh, for listening. And uh, if you like what you hear from Jag Bags, please like us on your various social media platforms. Please rate us. Please subscribe if you are on Spotify or other platforms and tell a friend about us. Um, write a review wherever and whenever you can. Make it hashtag Jag Bags. And um, Thanks once again. We really appreciate uh, your listenership. Let's get into it. Let's talk 
uh, Major League Baseball. I just really want to say again, it's great to have baseball back. Um, yeah, and for the like, it was nice to have have it last year. You know, it was so quick, but now it's back to normal. So now you don't have to panic because there's 147 games left or whatever. So, right, you don't have to get crazy right away. It's nice though because. I, th- I think that the fan, you know, th- th- some of the fans are back and I think they've missed it. And so I think some of these series has taken on a bit of a, you know, a more intense level than they normally might have. Yeah, I think so. The yeah. adrenaline's going more. Yeah. I felt that Indian Sox series was, uh, it was, it was very intense. It was great. Yeah. Some really good games. And oh. you got to be happy about, Shane Bieber, record-setting Shane Bieber. It's unbelievable. Striking everybody out. He is the first pitcher in the history of baseball to strike out 10 or more batters in his first four starts. That's crazy. Yeah, he's it's, he's impressive. It's that curveball. I don't know if you watched that that outstanding pitcher's duel that he got into with Gilito. No, I haven't seen him pitch. So I, I'm going to try to watch him. His curveball is it's, it's, he does two things with it. He either, it looks like it's, I mean, just in, in the simplest of terms, he throws two kinds of curves. I feel one looks like it's going to be a ball and then whoop, it's a strike. And the other is the opposite where you think that's a, it's a meatball right down the middle of the plate and all of a sudden just in the dirt and then batters can't lay off. How hard does he throw? I mean, his fastball gets in like the low nineties, but that yeah. curveball just people can't do anything with it. And then he's got a really good slider. And then it's, and what really fools batters is his changeup because he'll throw a changeup in there and batters are not ready for that. And they just twist themselves into a pretzel. Um, so, uh, that game against Giolito was just awesome pitchers duel. Uh, both of them battling Giolito pitched Giolito pitched awesome, an awesome game. And he's like the third best pitching performance of the series because Bieber and then Radon throws nearly a perfect game. Yeah. I watched the last Incredible. two or three innings of that one. And <laughs> When he hit, who's uh, Perez? Is he yeah. the catcher? Yeah. He didn't move at all. No. I don't think he was trying to get hit. No. I think, I mean, he's a catcher. He's not like have quick feet necessarily. And it just went boom right into his foot. I think he, Perez was one of those where he just froze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but what was impressive was then he just got it done anyways. Cause sometimes yeah. something like that happens and then, the next guy hits a homer or something. Right. He, he settled down and got the no hitter. So it was pretty exciting. I mean, it, amazing. And what I like too, is that both teams, you know, they, you know, you lose in kind of a um, dramatic fashion and yet the, the other, the losing team came back the next day fighting hard. And uh, yeah, and it's, yeah, it's a good, it's a good rivalry. The problem with the Sox is still their relief pitching. They, cur- I'm telling you, they cursed themselves. Maybe their their bullpen blew another one. But I mean, on the other hand, 
they swept the doubleheader against the Red Sox, who had been playing great. I mean, that's got to give them a big uh, boost of confidence going up to Boston. And yeah, taking- Boston was had won 10 on their last 11. And then, then the Sox swept them. They lost today, but yeah, still, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, they can really hang their hand on that. And uh, and uh, the Indians, <laughs> the Indians have been no hit. They've hit into a triple play. <laughs> Saw that. <laughs> they've, <laughs> they've lost two games in the ninth on errors by the first baseman. Ugh. And uh, and yet their first baseman. Well, they're trying a bunch of guys out. They, they really don't have. It was two. Was it two different first basemen? Yeah, because uh, it was Chang who threw the ball. He's trying to go for the double play and ricocheted off the Sox runner's helmet. Could they and, get Andre Thornton to come out of retirement? Oh, or Mike Hargrove. I was going to say Hargrove next. Yes. <laughs> or Paul Sorrento. <laughs> there you uh, go. That, uh, but they're, um, they got to start hitting. It's kind of like, kind of like the Cubs in that they, rank third in the league in home runs uh but they're they're just offense or maybe it's slugging percentage in eighth or ninth in home runs but they're like dead last in batting average um yeah really but not, really not hitting the cubs what was encouraging about the cubs even though they lost two out of three to the braves was they finally got some hits yeah in every every game and i i said this last week i said maybe it'll be it would help for them to play a non-division opponent. And I think it did. Even the first game, they, they lost five to two, but ninth inning, they got the bases loaded. Peterson struck out, but they were, they were competing. Uh, Contreras is doing real well. Chris Bryant's swinging best he had, he's had in like three years. Yep. Rizzo busted out on Saturday. So who knows? They're hitting. I mean, I think yeah. they're, uh, I agree. They're, Contreras is, uh, has like what? How, Contreras has a bunch of home runs. And he's hitting like 287, I think. Yeah. Which is great. And the division, I mean, the only team in baseball that's playing great is the Dodgers. Yeah. So the Cubs, just keep your head above water. It's early. That's, all that's the thing. Ask. Yeah. Just I think they got to get their pitching right a little bit. They, they got to get that. Well, settled. the Hendricks thing, one of my friends – sent me a message about Hendricks. And I was like, well, first game he pitched, it was like 20 degrees out. It did not right. pitch well. Second right. game he pitched great. The third game he was supposed to pitch, he was sick. So then he, he sat out for a few days and then he came back and pitched and he did not pitch well. But Hendricks, I've said this before, he is a type pitcher. He needs to pitch every five days, get his routine, keep his control sharp because he's not, he's not going to blow anybody away with his fastball. And that's what I used to get mad at Madden about because when he would mess with mess with him, I'm like, don't do that. Keep him in the same spot all the time because he's consistently good. So I'm not worried about him. I know that was awful yesterday, but he'll he'll get back to his that's mind. exception to the rule. He's yeah. got that out of his system. What's your take on uh, Davies so far? Um, I didn't see the the game he pitched the last game he pitched, but I was kind of following it on my phone and it seemed like there were a lot of, there's a couple of infield singles. It wasn't like he got shelled, 
The other bad game he had, he got shelled. So I don't – I mean, I'm keeping an open mind on him. Uh, like I said, it's early. He's only pitched three games too. And then uh, Arietta and Williams are the other uh... – Arietta's been good. Yeah. And Williams had a nice game on Saturday. So knock on wood, they'll uh, pull it together. There's no standout – I mean, before the season they said there's really no standout team in the Central, so they don't have to be great to win the division. I, I definitely think it, it's totally up for grabs, I feel like. And it's it's there for anyone to get except the Pirates. And the Pirates aren't playing that badly that so far. The guy on the Pirates, he's playing great. Yeah. He kills the Cubs. He's He killed the Cubs – past couple of years but he's been really good so they might be they might be better than you think uh, hopefully that's good and then there's some good races intense series i think that uh, um well the i Mets think they're supposed to be good so that's what the cubs play next and we have to pit we have to bat against the ground but they made a good <laughs> they made a good point yesterday <laughs> they never scored any runs for him so right. he might pitch against us, and we might win one to nothing or something. That's his. Uh, that's his the thing. The Mets never score for him. It's, it's true. The Mets are in first, or is it Atlanta? No, Atlanta. Atlanta wasn't playing well. Atlanta's records like around the same as the Cubs. Atlanta was good last year, but they got off to a slow start. So that was sort of a um, a tonic for the. Uh, that series was sort of a, a, a tonic for the for the Braves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there is kind of a log jam around uh, the, that, uh, except for the Dodgers. The Dodgers are ridiculous. Yeah, I, I still think they're gonna get some injuries though. I'm sticking by my prediction. We're gonna hold you to that. Yeah. Let's move on to the ultimate rivalry game from last Saturday. Oh, a bitter revenge game. <laughs> and I am upset. <laughs> Levine or Zach was out. That was there to have. And uh, home yeah. cooked. Marketing came up big that game. Yeah. He had a couple of big shots at the end. That, that game was winnable for the Cavs and uh, they... I had hoped that they could make a uh, playoff run because they, they, for the first time, they've got everyone healthy. They still might. I mean, it, there's not a lot of games left, though. They only have – after tonight, the Bulls have 15 games left because it's only a 72-game season. You know, uh, there's no telling how long that, um, that Zach's going to be out. Um and I wanted to ask you, you remember the, uh, the Bill Simmons uh, article about uh, the Ewing theory? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was and thinking I, about that. I wonder if you, uh, this could be a Ewing theory mm-hmm. season. Um, it's, it, sh- it should be interesting because how long is uh, uh, Zach going to be out? He tested positive. So at least 10 days, I think. Right. At least because then you have to test negative, I think, like two or three days in a row. So he might be out until the regular season's over. And the funny thing is, as much it's it's just weird because 
they made this big trade because you know they were like, oh, we're going to make the playoffs. And then they <laughs> played awful. And it's like, okay, so even if they make the 10 seed, they might have one playoff game and that's it. And they, it, it depends. It really depends on who they play because that Eastern Conference is so jumbled up and it, it, it changes like every day. Yeah, depends, I mean, uh, it depends yeah. on who's hot. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland could get hot and, and get in the 10 or 9 spot. It's just a matter of winning a few games in a row, I think. I still maintain that uh, they can't, now that they've got their championship core of Love and Delhi back. <laughs> Let the winning streak begin. <laughs> Actually, it's the Toronto, the Bulls, and the Wizards are all in like really bunched up. For yeah, that, the Wizards have played better lately. For that 10 spot. Mm-hmm. The yeah. Pacers can't seem to get out of their own way. Um, yeah, it's, it's just an odd season. It really is, Please, especially in the East. Well, under a lot of underperforming teams. I know. Like the Heat are 500, and they were great last year. They've surprised me, but they surprised me last year. I didn't think that they were – if you told me at the beginning of last season that the Heat would make the finals, I'd be like, no way. Yeah. I feel like they're uh, – Butler's in and out of the lineup, and a guy like Hero, who I th- always – I thought he was overrated because he, he had the one great – game last year in the playoffs and people are talking about him and I'm like, I don't know, man, he's, his shot selection is not the best. And I, I, I thought they uh, gave that, gave him a little too much credit. Yeah. I'm not sold on any of these teams really. I mean, Milwaukee, I think they're soft until, you know, they, they've got it. They still haven't proved they can get over that hump. Yeah. Same with, same with the Sixers. The Sixers have played great this year, though. They have. And then Brooklyn, this super team that, you know, there's so much drama. And they're just, they're the same thing. They they never have their guys in the lineup. Right. So, I don't know. The Bulls are up two with 15 seconds left against Celtics. Oh, that's in the bag. That'd be a big win if they beat the Celtics. The Celtics have won six in a row. Yeah, Celtics have, been, have played pretty well. So it could be a Ewing theory win. So I mean, they they don't. There's no tension at the end when Zach says, "It's time. It's 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 time for me to shine, guys." And um, you know, and then he like like you say, screws up. He does. He does. He's such a really. I mean, he's a really good player, but he's just not a finisher yet. And I don't know if that's. He gets nervous, or because he does, he bad turnovers, and they're always bad turnovers. It's just like a, or he drives at a basket on two guys, and they know he's going to drive, so somebody just blocks his shot. It's trust your teammates, right? Or or figure out a way to get open one on one. You know what I mean? Use your picks or something. He just doesn't. He just doesn't do things correctly at the end of games. After. Uh... After this, uh, um, after this game, then they've got um, who do they have? They have uh, oh, back and then they have the Cavs again, who just lost, by the way, tonight to Detroit. Mm. Uh, 
<laughs> ben, God. that's a horrible loss. A terrible, terrible loss. <sighs> Thanks. So I blame Delhi. Um, <laughs> then after that, uh, well, the Cavs will be motivated. They'll be out for revenge. Um, then, Rivalry game, part uh-huh. two. Eve. I'll be texting you. Trash talking all night. <laughs> And after that, this is a kind of a tough uh, road. They've got Hornets, Miami twice, the Knicks, who have won six in a row, uh, Milwaukee, Atlanta, who's also red hot, Sixers, Ooh. Charlotte again, and then Boston. Uh, then they, they don't get a break until Detroit. So this is... Uh, got to earn it. They've got to earn it. Should be a good end to the season. It's really almost here. Yeah, yeah. It's about a month left. 15 games, so. Um, well, we'll be back next week. Uh, blood spattered. And, uh, <laughs> Severed friendship. Yeah, exactly. I'll be sending my proxy to do. I won't be speaking to you. Your hurtful comments about Darius Garland. All right, let's move on to uh, a interesting uh, aspect of our podcast, the Rolling Stone Top 500. You know what? Real quick, of all time. real quick, before we do that, nope. I wanted to give an update on the Fedora Jasmine merchandise. This is un- This was not in the show notes. <laughs> We've got a know. lot of... What's going on? We got, well, you told me we got some angry faxes and people were going we didn't address this because we had guests the past couple weeks but a lot of people wanted to get the action figures for their kids easter baskets but they did not arrive in town in time and that was because of that whole suez canal thing that's where the fedora we apologize for that and we're hoping to have them in time for mother's day one good thing alex did was uh, block up the suez canal what uh nothing um I, uh, he's back from his Egyptian vacation and it's good to have him back. He's on vacation again. Uh, yes. how many weeks do you give your staffers? Uh, I d- do one week on four weeks off. What? Look, I think that that is humane and, uh, spelled out in several, um, workmen's, uh, uh satisfaction booklets. Oh my gosh. No one's here tonight. It's just me. Of course not. Why would you have any help? Even Blutch is gone. Blutch. Blutch. My old friend. Blutch. I thought Blutch had a work ethic. Blutch will be. Blutch is holding my seat at Liquor Box, um, where I will be going after tonight's podcast. (laughs) Um, Also Wednesday night after the Cavs game, I'm sure. Uh, Oh, Olaf, the owner of Liquor Box. Has, is keeping a table open uh, as Jared Allen is well known as one of the biggest uh, tippers. Um, you know, Allen, Allen finally had a bad game against the Bulls. Probably because he usually he was, kills the Bulls. He did not play well against them on Saturday. Probably looking forward to uh, seeing me. Probably. You probably ruined their chances for victory once again. Once again, whenever, whenever something goes wrong for the Cavs, blame me. 
everyone else does. Yeah. Anyways, are you going to set a clock for this yes. rapid fire one? Do you want Do you want to explain the ground rules, or should I? Well, yeah, I'll say two things. First of all, uh, Rolling Stone each week, except for the past couple, Beav and I go through the Rolling Stones' top 500 albums of all time. We talked about it on our podcast episode 13. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. That's a good one. We, we pick albums that we don't know real well, even if we've listened to them before, but just ones we want to give another listen to to give our opinion of whether or not they belong in the top 500. Beave usually does one, and I usually do about 10 each week. But since we have a backlog from not talking about them the past couple of weeks, we're going to do a little – how much time are you going to put on there, Beave? 10? 10 minutes? 10, ten minutes. It's we're going to start with – Beeves four, and then I've listened to twenty nine. So we'll see how many I get through. Ten minutes. Ready? You're gonna you're gonna start with your four. Okay. I uh, hold on. Just getting my notes all set. Maybe if you had someone to help you. Uh, they were around here somewhere. Uh, oh, this is just. <sighs> Let me text Re- Regency. <laughs> <laughs> don't 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 text that pompous fool anything. All right, I am ready. Here we go. Ten minutes and go. All right. So I have four albums, and they are uh, Big Stars Number One Record, uh, Daddy Yankee Barrio Fino. That's uh, album number 473. 472 is SZA, the artist SZA, Control, C-T-R-L, from the, from the year 2017. And then uh, the last album is the album 400 Degrees by the uh, hip-hop artist Juvenile. So uh, really quick. I'll start with Daddy Yankee. Um, <laughs> so I, I was uh, getting uh, my 19-year-old son, our peerless sound engineer, uh, Declan, a ride back to college. And he's looking for music to play. And he's like, oh, looks like someone's got a little Daddy Yankee in the <laughs> search bar. And I said, it's for the podcast. He's like, sure, Dad. <laughs> but uh, he... um. And he told his friend Jaden, Jaden Roquet, and Jaden's like, you got a problem with Daddy Yankee? (laughs) That album's great. (laughs) And uh, and I agree. Uh, Daddy Yankee, it's basic, uh, it's uh, hip hop, um, Spanish language um, uh, uh, lyrics. And uh, it's the kind of music, kind of like Selena that you hear all over the city in various parts, uh, that type of... uh, but it's very melodic and uh, I was surprised that I liked it. And I'm going to go on record that I like this and also juveniles, 400 degrees. Uh, Declan was like, Whoa, dad, 400 degrees. What's up? And I'm like, also for the podcast. And he was like, Oh, I thought you were cool. Um, <laughs> you could have lied. I know. Right. I've always been into juvenile. What's wrong with you? But, uh, I especially enjoy early juvenile. <laughs> he jumped the shark after 400 uh, degrees. <laughs> there you go. 
everyone knows that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go out and say that I um, liked 400 Degrees. We got into an argument over what was better, this album or Jay-Z's first uh, album, which was kind of around the same time. And I have to say, I enjoy both 400 Degrees and Daddy Yankee's Barrio Fino more than uh, uh than Jay-Z's first record or any Jay-Z record. Fearless opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, SCA, uh, CTRL, that's a fine record, but uh, I, I don't consider it top 500. What kind of music is that? It's R&B. Um, it's just, a, it's, it's, a, it's a good album. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, not nearly as good as, say, Dua Lipa's Future Nostalgia. Or yeah. Wild Eyed Southern Boys. No, that's the. We'll get to that. <laughs> we have six and a half minutes left, and uh, and then Big Star number one record. I, you know, I've kind of been um, a little cold on that, but uh, I'm an idiot. I love that record. Yeah, uh, very, Big Star. I love that. I have that. I own that. Very tuneful and melodic and a, a classic. Yeah, Seems like it could have been yeah recorded a couple years ago. Yep. Yep. Okay, ready for me? Let's do it. Lightning. I'm ready. First one is one you also listened to, and that was number 127, Modern Sounds in Country and Western Music, Ray Charles. Great. The thing about the Ray Charles stuff that I've been listening to is I really like the production on it. Yeah. Because his his voice is in the front. You know what I mean? It's like you can really hear him, and um, they're just it's just real clear, I guess. And his version of You Don't Know Me is great. Tremendous. So, yeah, no no problems with that being in there. Yes. The next one's another classic. It's uh, Otis Blue by Otis Redding. Great. Number 178. And Otis, I, lo- I love Otis Redding, but the, the thing I listen to a million times is his greatest hits. Yeah. And this has some of his greatest hits on. It has Respect, Shake, I've Been Loving You Too Long, and Satisfaction. So definitely worthy you know he's fantastic agreed um number 179 life after death by notorious big i liked ready to ready to die better than this one this one i thought wasn't wasn't the best Mm -hmm. mixed feelings on it and he has i think little kim and dmx is like guests on that and they kind of blow him away on it i think it's because he's so kind of laid back so the contrast with them two, you're kind of like, you feel like he's barely in the studio with them. Interesting. Uh, number 191, At Last by Etta James. That's, I mean, obviously the title song is like a staple yeah. at weddings. And, you know, same kind of thing. It's, it's kind of like classic stuff. So I could see why it's in there. I don't know that I'm... I mean, I know at yeah. last. This was the first time I listened. Yeah, everybody knows at last. Right. I was same boat as you. I didn't know anything else by her. But th- that's when I listened to again, just to go get a little deeper into it. Yeah. Then number one ninety three, William the Poor Boys by Credence. So I, I love Credence. Yeah. I just didn't know this. The the Credence stuff I know real well is Cosmos Factory, and like their greatest hits. Because growing up, those are the ones I listened to all the time. But this has the greatest song of all time on it. And Down on the Corner, Midnight Special. And one of my favorite deep cuts of theirs, Effigy. Wait, what's the greatest song of all time? Fortunate Son. 
That's the greatest song of all that time. That's the greatest song of all time. We'll conclude. We'll we'll bring that up three and a half minutes later. <laughs> then number 195, Songs of Leonard Cohen. Mm. I think Leonard Cohen's a little overrated myself. I think he's pretentious. I like I like a few of his songs. I actually think his voice was better when he got older. Because the ones on this one are his earlier stuff, but like hit, you know, the song everybody knows it was mm-hmm. in the movie pump up the valley. That's a great song, mm-hmm. but his voice is more weathered. Yeah. And it just kind of suits his material more. I think. Right. The earlier stuff I don't like as much. And that's what this is. So I don't think I would, I wouldn't put this on. Uh, Do you know any Leonard Cohen fans? I'd be like, Oh, Leonard, I have every Leonard Cohen album. He's not best. really, he's like I, a critic's favorite. I yeah. think. Yeah, I don't, I don't know any Leonard Cohen fanatics. Me neither. Then uh, 198 B-52s, self-titled. Outstanding. You think so? Yeah, I, I love that album. Really? I like it. I think it's a little too high, though. I think 198 is a little high. You think that's is that where you would put it, that high up? Yeah, maybe I'd drop it to like maybe the three or four hundreds. But you think it's worthy? I would put a top 500. I love the B-52s. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure myself. Uh-oh. And- <laughs> don't, tell, don't tell Amy Seeley. Uh-oh. <laughs> Hopefully she's not listening to this one. <laughs> and uh, next, number 200, Diamond Life, Chardet. Classic. Really good. Yep. And growing up, I didn't listen to Chardet. Because she came out in the 80s. And yep. you're like, oh, that's boring. <laughs> but you listen to it now and you're like, oh, man. This yes. is excellent. Excellent. Your Love is King. Yep. And she has a version. I think like any decent recording of Why Can't We Live Together. Do you know that song? Uh, yes. Yes. It's great. She does a version of that that's fantastic. Yeah. Really good. That's a great album. Really good. So that was a nice surprise. Um, number 201 Midnight Marauders by Tribe Called Quest Classic. I like Tribe Called Quest a lot I have I have, I think it's one of their greatest hits albums I've listened to a lot and this one has a couple of those on there and it's good I yeah, would I put think, that I would put that higher you think it's higher? I would because of how good it is or you think because they're influential? both yeah yeah both. they're good I have no problem with that yeah. Wrong. Yeah, they're one of my favorite uh, hip hop bands. Uh, next is number two hundred two, "Homogenic" by Bjork. I haven't heard that one. I, I didn't know anything on this album, hmm. and that's. Uh, I feel like I don't even have an opinion on it. I feel like I need to listen to it again because it wasn't. It wasn't bad. I thought it was decent, but mm-hmm. I feel like I didn't. It's something you want to listen to again to get a true opinion on. Oh, that's a good sign, though. Yeah. So I, I will go back to that. Number two, how much time we got left? You are out of time now. Okay. All right. Not bad. I got three. Pretty good. Yeah. How many, how many did you get through? Ten. Ten for 29. Yep. So we'll we'll be back next week with another lightning round. Lightning round. Let us know 
what you thought of uh, of our lightning round, particularly our hip hop reviews. As, <laughs> always, people are always clamoring for those. Right? As those seem to be a Jag Bags listener favorite. Uh, <laughs> the Bulls won one hundred two to ninety six. Big win. Big Ewing theory win. The cool. They have cooled off the red hot Celtics. Yeah, Vuk- Vukovic had twenty nine. Um, let's, uh, let's move on to the Oscars. The Oscars are a week from Wednesday. No, they're on Sunday. It's it's the 25th. Isn't that Sunday? Yeah. It is Sunday. Sunday. I was thinking it was the 28th. Alex has given me bad information yet again. Listen, I'll give him a break this time. I'm normally this time. very I'm normally very exacting and demanding of uh, Alex. But after his Suez Canal adventure, I mean, um, what? Uh I'm in his vacation. Um I'm I'm more inclined to give him a pass. <laughs> I don't like that face you're making. It's it's just violent and intense. <laughs> A lot of bared teeth there. <laughs> um, I uh, um, I think that uh, let's go through uh, the major categories, and what we'll do is we will. Len, you'll make your picks on who you want to win and who you think you will win. Right, and, so we'll do best picture, okay, actor, actress, supporting actor, supporting actress, and director. Sounds good. All right, let's start with best picture. We've uh, we've seen all the we've seen all the uh, uh, nominated movies, and uh, who who? What's your pick? Who do you think is going to win? I think Nomadland's going to win. Really. Yeah, and I think Nomadland is also a deserving winner. It's a well, that would be good, that would be your pick. Yeah, mm. it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good group of movies though. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, I think, is second for me. Mm-hmm. The thing that Judas and the Black Messiah did real well is it really feels like they're in that era. Because sometimes these historical dramas, you're 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 kind of not feeling it. Right. That one, you really felt like you were thrown in the middle of this. Uh, the whole Fred Hampton thing. It was just it's just really well done. I wouldn't mind if that one either. That would be my pick. That's what's your favorite, Judas and the Black Messiah. I, uh, I, I think I think it is. It's tough because I really really liked the father. Um, I really liked Judas and the Black Messiah. I really liked Nomadland, and I really liked um, uh, the Trial of Chicago Seven. But I, I'm gonna, I, if I had to, you know, if I had to really, if it gets right down to it, I really have to go with Mank. No, uh, I really have to go with Judas and the Black Messiah, just because I like the story. I thought the acting overall was the best yeah the acting's great 
Um, and maybe Not that's what maybe that's what does it for me. Uh, Plemons, Dominique Fishback, it's it, yeah, insane Martin Sheen. Yeah, really insane. It's terrifying Martin Sheen. Terrible person Martin Sheen. Yeah. You said you saw Minari, right? What did you think of that? I was like ready to go in there because people I respect like that's the, that was the finest movie ever. So maybe I just had high expectations. I thought it was good. And that's another one. Where I thought the acting was really good and it was shot really well. I don't know. I just, I wanted great. I, I'm, I agree. I didn't, I was underwhelmed. I, I thought it was just good. I, like I don't good, want solid out of all the movies. I don't want that to win. And I don't want Mank to win. Those are the two that I don't think belonged. I think you could have put Palm Springs, um, One Night in Miami, anything over those two. Mm-hmm. I'm really, I read something today about Mank getting a sweep and I almost had a heart attack. I'm like, no. If Mank sweeps the Oscars, <laughs> there's, I, I swear to God, I think there's, there's, there's going to be a revolt, uh, an online revolt. Uh, because ugh. It, it's got that thing though it's like it's about the movies that's the the, the uh, academy goes for that it, but what's so surprising about that is it's a fincher movie and it's boring uh, it's so boring <laughs> it's fincher what happened is it because it's so personal to him because his dad wrote the script that he I'm decided sure. to not make it entertaining I'm sure that that's part of it. And he says, you know, that's not the point of it. And it's, um, it's got this, like, <laughs> here's Gary Oldman saying a quip. And I'm just like, I, I'm done with this. And I don't understand like the takeaway from the movie. So like he was a misunderstood genius. I think he was pretty well, you know, established. Um and uh, I, I guess the story's kind of interesting just on how, you know, Citizen Kane got, there's some things I didn't know. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm like, I don't, I don't get the big deal with this movie. Yeah. So anything else? Sound of Metal was great. I enjoyed that. Prowse Young Woman was good. Trial mm-hmm. Chicago 7 was really good. Yep. Just not Mank or Minari for me. Yeah. Minari- I think I said a few weeks ago when I originally saw it up to the very end, I thought the father was really good. Yeah. The ending was a little, uh, it was, I don't want to say it was a cop out. I don't know. Well, let's, let's jump to director. Yeah. Director. So you got Fincher and, Lee Isaac Chung from Minari. I don't think either one of them should have, should be in this category either. Mm. It's, I mean, the guy who, I don't even know who directed The Father, but the person who directed The Father did a really good job because they approached a kind of typical subject for movies and did it in a really original way. So I would have rather had them in that category instead of those two guys and uh but i think that 
category, Chloe, Chloe Zhao wins for Nomadland. And that's one that almost seems like a, a consensus. I mean, I was talking earlier with you before we started the podcast that there's not a lot of consensus. I think that one is a consensus pick. They think she's going to win for sure. Because mm. Judas and the Black Messiah, they that should have been nominated too. It's it's a weird they pick. It's a weird um, selection of people. I mean, the uh, Emerald Fennel who directed Promising Young Woman, she belongs. Mm-hmm. But then for the uh, for the fifth, they picked. Thomas Vinterberg for another round. I didn't see that. It's good. It's a good movie. And I don't mind him being in there, but the, you know, Judas and Black Messiah, The Father, uh, even Regina King for One Night in Miami, they, uh, whoever directed Sound of Metal, they all should be in there ahead of Mank and Minari. Yeah. But I, I, I pick her. I pick Chloe Zhao winning is is fine with me because I thought she did a great job. Out of all those, I would I liked the way that um, I would I myself would put it. I saw four of the five. I didn't see another round. I really liked the way that um, Chloe Zhao directed Nomad Land. I thought it was an interesting take on almost documentary style. Um, it was very understated, but yet very sensitive and, um, and kind of these shots of these old people's faces um, and uh, not really trying to, you know, glamorize. I, I, it was very yeah, kind I, of... I, everything she did in there, I thought, worked. It looks great. Uh, Francis McDormand's fantastic. Yeah. All these real people who aren't actors did, did a great job. They did. The story's surprising. You don't, you don't know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. So, but I also like the job that Emerald uh, Fennell did and promised. Yeah. She had a really different approach to it too. Very good. Very inventive. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But if Nomadland, I mean, you have to think that Chloe Zhao is going to win. I'm with you. Yeah. That's, that's the one category I think uh, is almost a lock. Yeah. So, so I was reading more stuff about the Oscars today. So best actor, which is the next one we'll look at. Yeah. To me, I'm, I'm like, you, you have to pick Chadwick Boseman. That's what def- I think. I mean, he seems like the sentimental favorite. And he's great in it. You, you yeah. just watched it, right? When did, did you just recently watch it? Yeah, this week. I really, uh, I thought the movie was like, it was all right. But yeah, I'm with you. Chadwick Boseman, fantastic. Viola Davis, fantastic. Yeah, just two powerhouse performances. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, but <laughs> the Tribune's critic says it's between Riz Ahmed and Anthony Hopkins. I'm like, there. I would be shocked if Chadwick Boseman doesn't win. Yeah, I, that I, that would be shocking. Although I want to say that Anthony Hopkins was great. He was thought, really good. Really I good. thought he was great. Yeah. Um, that would be, that, that's my strong number two mm-hmm. for sure. And, uh, and I liked Riz Ahmed. And even he was like, good. he was good. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think Chadwick Boseman was the best by far out of these, not by far, 
Anthony Hopkins, I, I'm probably with you on that. I would put him second. Uh, there's somebody, oh, that another round movie I just talked about, Mads Mikkelsen. Do you know who he is? Yeah, he's great. He's really good in it. I would have nominated him. Over uh, Steven Yoon and Minari. And Oldman. Oldman, who's always, I'm drunk and quippy. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, Mank. You oh, Mank. There's man oh, he's just manking it. <laughs> he's so irascible. <laughs> Oldman did a good job of giving the lousy no. nepotism no. script he had. No. It's what he had to work with. I mean, he I thought no. he gave his all to the character. No. It's not his fault that no. Delroy <laughs> Lindo should have Oldman's spot. Delroy Lindo is the and Mads Mickelson should have Stephen Young's spot. And Len has spoken. You know what the thing about Minari is? I think the two best performances did get nominated. the uh, The little kid in it is great. Great. I mean, he's he's kind of he's almost like the center of the movie. Yeah. With his <laughs> with his cowboy boots and his shorts, <laughs> and the wife, the wife in Minari. Now. I thought those were the two best, and they, you know, they didn't get they didn't get nominated. The Academy's dumb. Although the best, well, no, the best actress category is loaded. So, um, I might I probably would have put her ahead of Vanessa Kirby in the best actress category. This one's very hard. Yeah, it's it's. Did you see all of them, or uh, I did not see pieces of a woman. Did you see United States versus Billy Holiday? I did, no, I did not see the United States versus uh, Billy Holiday. Yeah. Well, who's your favorite of the three you saw? It's tough. I'm, I got to go with Viola Davis. I, I really do. Um, I just thought she was just, I mean, it, it, I, I just thought she was, she's such a presence uh, on screen and she just totally, uh, I thought carried that movie from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I mean, so, I mean, obviously Francis McDormand in Nomadland, I mean that she is the movie um, and she did too. I just, I felt like there was a lot of like shots of Francis McDormand just like looking out onto scenery um, or, you know, bathing in a river or, you know, it was just kind of like in service to the movie. Um so that's why I would put there. There wasn't, and I, that's not really Francis McDormand's fault. I felt like that was just how the movie was shot. And I thought Carrie Mulligan was, she was great, chilling, really good. Yeah, it's it's real hard. But it's I would give it hard. to Viola Davis. I think I do. You pronounce it? Is it Viola or Viola? Uh, Blutch says Viola. <laughs> We're really good at we're really good at this part. Yeah, saying people's really, names correctly. We are. Yeah, <laughs> I think um, her, Carrie Mulligan, Francis McDormand, and Andrea Day are all great. It's a really hard pick for me. I have a a lot of people are saying Carrie Mulligan's going to win. I think I think Viola Davis is going to win. Because she's she's an Academy favorite, and this is a she's really good in this. And uh, I love Carrie Mulligan, though. I'd like to see her win. Frances McDormand. What I really liked about Frances McDormand's performance it was very um, 
grounded. It wasn't one of these abrasive Francis McDormand characters. It was, she was just this person and you believed her. And, it, you know, someone who's had a long career and then she kind of just disappears into a part like this. I think that's really good acting. Mm-hmm. And Andra Day, the problem with the movie she's in is that she blows everybody else in that movie off the screen. Mm. It's, are you familiar with the Billy Holiday story at all? Uh, fairly. I don't know this whole United States versus Billy Holiday. Yeah. It's basically them. I don't want to give it away if you ever watch it, but it's basically about them. Um, the FBI not wanting her to sing strange fruit because they think she's going to incite people. Interesting. And yeah, the story's the story is really interesting, but it's not a it's not a well made movie. It comes off soap opera y in parts, and there's a guy in the movie who plays an FBI agent and also ends up being her love interest at some point, and he's terrible. Hmm. Like nothing about him registers. You like, he's, and she is fantastic. You're just like, wow. So that might hurt her. I think if the movie was better, she 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 would have uh, she had a good chance of winning. Mm. But and Vanessa Kirby, I, the big thing about her performance was supposed to be the opening scene. There's like an opening scene where she's given birth at home and things don't go well. And I didn't think any of that was that great. Um, the woman who is the midwife in it, Molly Parker. I thought she was good because I love Molly Parker. Yeah. Familiar with Molly Parker. She's on Deadwood and yeah, Mm -hmm. she's been in a bunch of movies. Right. But I I didn't think Vanessa Kirby was that great. I didn't see pieces of a one. Yeah. Your best friend Shia LaBeouf is in it too. Well, playing playing a jerk. Surprise, surprise. You should win the Oscar every year. So says the staff oh, I, at says the staff at Walgreens on Chicago and Michigan <laughs> Avenue. Yeah, I saw your post on the uh, Shia fanatic page you have on Facebook. <laughs> Why didn't Shia get nominated for Best Actor? I support artistry. <laughs> That's all I'll say. He's very misunderstood. Yeah, but but like I said, uh, any of those four, uh, I'm rooting for any of them. Yeah, but I, uh, Davis is my prediction. The the correct pronunciation is Viola. Viola. Viola Davis. Like the instrument. Yes. Okay. So supporting actor is the next one. This is a this is a pretty good group too. Yeah. Although it's weird because I don't understand why Daniel Kalua is in the supporting role category. <laughs> I felt well, like he should be in the best actor category. It is kind of split, though. The screen time is kind of split between him and Lakeith Stanfield's character mm-hmm. from watching it. The issue, I think he's going to win. Lakeith Stanfield? No. Oh, you uh, think Daniel Kalu is going to win? Daniel Kalu is going to win. My issue, I thought he was good, but my issue with him is that Fred Hampton was 21 
Yeah. And Daniel Kalua looks like he's 35. Yeah. But he's good. And, but I don't think I could, I would have picked him. I would, I would have picked Lakeith Stanfield. I thought Lakeith Stanfield was great. And I thought he had to go through a lot of different emotions in his part because he's, he's drawn to Fred Hampton and he's also betraying Fred Hampton. And, and I, and plus I love, I love Lakeith Stanfield, everything he's in. I think he's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He had to show the right amount of, like nerve because i mean it's i mean that is the scene where he's got a hot wire a car yep that was great that was great suspenseful you know just the self-loathing and uh and the just the mixed emotions and uh and just kind of the helplessness and also kind of the defiance like yeah i'm 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 looking out i'm just looking out for me i'm just looking out for myself um is uh he, he captured all of those in one kind of sometimes in one scene i agree yeah. with you i think he should win and you're you're rooting for him to not get caught even though he's he's basically he's betraying this guy right and you're like no he shouldn't betray him but you still don't want him to get in trouble so that's, right that's, that's like that shows what kind of charisma he has as an actor no doubt yeah and uh a couple uh I think I thought Sasha Baron Cohen was really good too. I thought he was great. I I, that, I that's forgot. A, that's a, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say I forgot I was watching Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, that, that's that's really tough. This guy who played Borat, yeah. playing a real person. Yep. And, and again, just just like I was talking about Francis McDormand, he he did a good job disappearing and making you think he was Abby Hoffman. Yep. Yeah, I'd be fine with him winning, but I'm I'm pretty sure Daniel Kaluuya wins this one. You like the guy in Sound of Metal too, right? I thought he was. Um, I thought he was good. Um, I, uh, I I don't see him winning, but uh, I, I thought he was excellent. I read a rave about him today. They were like, Paul Racy hits every note perfectly. They were. <laughs> I mean, calm down. <laughs> but uh, that's what I thought. I thought he was good. I thought he was good. Yeah. I'm fine. And it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with him getting nominated, but I don't think he should win. And then uh, Leslie Odom Jr., One Night in Miami. I don't think he was the best out of the four. Okay. I would have nominated um, the guy who played Malcolm X. I thought he was the – did you see that movie? No, I haven't seen it yet. It's good. It's it's worth a watch. But, yeah, so Kalua to win, ruining for Lickie Stanfield. So we have sporting actress left. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. This I don't think is a very good group. I think there's one great performance, and that's uh, Maria Bakalova for Borat. Uh, yeah, I didn't see. I also didn't see Borat. I thought she was great in it. I think she was, and they even I read something about it where she was so good that they changed things in the movie because of her performance. They gave, wow. her more to, they gave her more to do. And her comp, I mean, the, the woman in, the grandmother in Minari is going to win. You, uh, Yu Zhang Yoon. You say she's she going to win. Fine. I thought she was fine. Uh-huh, yeah. But yeah, she's going to win. 
but I'm, I'm going to be rooting for Maria Bakalova. Tell me yeah. about Glenn Close in your all-time favorite movie, <laughs> Hillbilly Elegy. Not going to rip on Glenn Close. I love Glenn Close. But here is what I will say. About if she Hillbilly. won, I'd be happy because Glenn Close is, we're, we're approaching Susan Lucci territory with Glenn Close. I will not be happy. Not because I don't like Glenn Close. She should have won for, I think it was The Wife. She was really good in that movie. And she lost to Olivia Coleman, who's also in this category. What if she loses again to Olivia Coleman? I don't think Olivia Coleman did much in her part. I agree. It's a, it's not a real big part. And I don't, I mean, it's, she's fine and everything, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't think I would have nominated her. And of course, Amanda Seyfried. Uh, I don't mis- think mis- she would mysteriously nominated. I, I don't get that. I don't. I, I like her. I don't mind her. I, she's okay in the movie. It's just the movie's not good. So I don't think they gave her anything to do. No, but I mean, she she occupied the character, but she did. You're right. She didn't have much to do. Right. Except for walk outside with Mank and go <laughs> Mank. They would go on long walks where they'd share. <laughs> Oh, Mank, let's have a platonic affair. And Mank said, mm, maybe I will completely take this character and make her a ditz. <laughs> and they, it was just, and I just rip on, just rip this friendship to shreds. Oh, Mank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait for Mank, the sitcom. <laughs> Mank, <laughs> Mank sitting on the couch, drunk, throwing out Bon Mots. <laughs> the greatest sitcom this, of all time. <laughs> This one, Mank, must take a seasonal job around the holidays. <laughs> well, at the maybe local that coupon store. is expired. <laughs> oh, Mank. <laughs> Mank, are you drinking out of the cooler again? Mank. <laughs> I've, I've been corrected on my pronunciation of the instrument is actually viola, not viola. So I was wrong. We are. I'm always wrong. So that's oh, we are. <laughs> we are the finest podcast hosts in the history of the form. Okay. Well, let's finish it up with a discussion of Hillbilly Elegy. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here's the problem with Hillbilly Elegy. So I'm watching this and Every scene is somebody yelling. <laughs> there is no character development. I mean, the things I've read about it before I saw it was complaining about Glenn Close's fright wig and uh, the stereotypes. That's not what bothered me. What bothered me was you had no idea who any of these people are. And whoever wrote the screenplay, I wonder if it was the guy who wrote the book, because the book was a monstrous success. But the screenplay, it's like. Uh, the, the screenplay was written by Vanessa Taylor. Okay, she did a terrible job. Who has written, she's probably best known for writing The Shape of Water uh, and also wrote Hope Springs. Did you ever see that? No, Shape of Water was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has also uh, been a writer for Game of Thrones and is a. Uh, 
and has been a script doctor for the uh, Disney live action remake of Aladdin. Well, they needed a script doctor for this. I thought that was horrible. What Aladdin was? Oh, God, so bad. Yeah. Yeah, Hillbilly Elegy, it's like, I want to ask anybody who's watched that movie, tell me anything about the characters. And they would be like, well, they yelled. (laughs) Amy Adams did heroin. (laughs) And it's just, and the lead actor in it, he's really bad. Yeah. Who plays J.D. Vance. And it's one of those movies too where they have flashbacks and the kid, he's okay, but they put too much on him. You know, got the kid who plays young JD Vance. Yeah. And and Glenn Close, I don't even think she has a scene where you could go, this is her Oscar scene, even if it's a bad movie, like, okay, this maybe this is why she got nominated. (laughs) When it was done, I was like, oh my God. Right. It was uh, and Frida Pinto's in it. I just feel bad for her. She plays J.D. Yeah. Uh, Vance's girlfriend in it. And I'm like, oh, please run away from this movie, Frida. And I feel like she's somebody who needs to have another good movie because she hasn't gotten to do much since Slumdog Millionaire. Like Glenn Close and Amy Adams, it doesn't matter if they're in a bad movie. They're still going to get to be in a lot of movies. It's <laughs> like <laughs> just, just horrible, but, uh, but surprisingly differently. I thought I, I thought everybody thought it was bad because, of, like I said, the uh, bad wigs and the southern stereotypes. But it was just not. There's no character development at all. It's just a series of bad things happening. Right. Uh, incredibly uh, depressing movie. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know. It's it's more depressing that you watch it. <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I wanted to see everything. So now, just think of it: you have not seen Jaws, but you have <laughs> seen. <laughs> yeah, I get I get yelled at for not seeing Goonies a lot. As well I, was you bullied. I was bullied online for not saying Goonies again. You seem troubled by this. <laughs> I'm not troubled at all. <laughs> all right, so let's wrap it up real quick. We'll give, okay. I'll give you my picks. Everyone wants to wager. Best picture, Nomadland. Best actor, Chadwick Boseman. Best actress, Viola Davis. Yes. Best supporting actor, Daniel Kaluuya. Best supporting actress, Yu Jung Yoon and best director Chloe Zhao. Bank it. <laughs> best short. Oh, Mank. It's oh. <laughs> called Oh, comma, Mank. Oh, Mank. Oh, Mank. Coming to CBS. <laughs> A Chuck Lorre production. <laughs> oh, Mank. <laughs> Gary Oldman and Leah Remini. Hey, Remy, let me take off your pants again, Mac. You're too <laughs> drunk to take them off yourself. Happy to do it. So we're ready. Ready for Pixar. All right. So basically, um, 
there have been 23 Pixar movies. And I really, I, I think there's only, I looked, well, I've only, there's two that I haven't seen. But um, I really, I think there's only two that I don't like. The others, I think, are just, they're great. Great. I, I, it would be tough for me to pick, like, uh, I, I can't say there's a there's a Pixar movie I've seen that I'm like, ugh, dud. And, um, there's not a hillbilly Pixari. There's no Manx in this one. <laughs> not at all. Um, We're going to get a lot of angry faxes from hillbilly elegy and Manx fans. Well, you are. <laughs> You are. I yes, I will. I don't appreciate you making fun of Orson Welles's uh, desire to make Citizen Kane. Um, but uh, I think that um, it's it's a run that's really unparalleled. I mean, they they really occupy a very unique spot in uh, Hollywood. Um, and the thing that I like best about Pixar movies is that even though they're aimed at children, these are some of the most inventive and original scripts, concepts of any, you know, franchise out there. I mean, there's, it's, it's pretty incredible that it's, that it's succeeded in a atmosphere that really rewards kind of a formulaic, you know, very you know safe you know we don't want to take chances yeah um, and i think that's what's unique about pixar yeah it's an impressive run for sure and uh and they can they have two movies nominated for uh, soul and onward um and uh well soul i want <laughs> because <laughs> I don't give my staff endless vacations. My staff and I watched a bunch of movies over the weekend to prayer for this podcast. Let's, watched, let's take out, let's take out the word endless. Let's take out the word endless from that, <laughs> from that sentence. <laughs> Sat down and watched soul and I'm watching it. I'm like, this is Beeb's ultimate tug of war. <laughs> Cause it's, about jazz, but it's also has Tina Fey voicing a character. <laughs> so your greatest love and your greatest enemy in the same movie. <laughs> That's what makes it great. The tension. The tension of... Tina Fey jazzing all over the movie. <laughs> you, saw, you saw Soul, right? I did. I loved the part where he's the cat. And he's like, I've got to get to, I've got to get to the club. I've got to, oh, look, the sunlight. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, really I liked when he kept thing. getting rejected when he was trying to get <laughs> <laughs> The ability to do slapstick comedy in an animated movie. Good stuff. Yeah. And, and it's, it's moving to, I mean, almost every Pixar movie does that to you where you're like, you know, how to appreciate life and exactly the passing of time and all that stuff. Great it's, message. Yeah, I, I thought it was really good. And Onward, you should see Onward too. Onward was really, Onward is almost the same type of thing because the part of Onward that gets to you is it's like these two kids and they're traveling with 
their dad, but just the bottom half of their dad. So it's about the relationship with him. And again, it, it just it gets to you, all, all of this stuff. Yeah. There, I mean, we'll get to there. It's it's crazy how they can really, and that's a fine line to walk because now with a Pixar movie, you're almost expecting, you know, okay, when's what's the what's the part of the movie that's going to hit me right in the gut? Right. And uh, and that's dangerous because you're like, okay, we got to make them, <laughs> we got to make them cry. How are we going to make them cry this time? <laughs> they got to cry. And uh, and you can really go over the top, and then you you're going into schmaltz territory and um they they really walk that line so well um, yeah yeah I, I think they, they don't get schmaltzy that's for sure they yeah. really don't yeah they and there's different degrees of how much they affect you yeah but and i think we talked about this before the podcast you get into we me and you both got into them when we had kids because right. I remember my friend Adam, he he was always raving about the movies. He's like, oh, Toy Story, didn't you like Toy Story? And I was like, eh. Ah. It wasn't until, you know, Henry, after Henry, then, okay, then I started to get into them. And you said it was similar for you. Yeah, I mean, I would never have watched any Pixar movies um, if it weren't for the fact that um, you know Declan as a as a baby loved cars because he's always loved cars and he all he did is he liked to watch it just to see the cars drive around and talk and do um, you know funny things and um, so he would always and so like you like you like you know the movies all constantly on every day. And it's in the background. You can't help but get sucked in. Of course, I'm like, this is a great movie. <laughs> this is a great movie. And then, uh, so then he's like, oh, dad, can I watch Monsters, Inc.? And I'm like, sure. And I'm like, Monsters, Inc. is hilarious. Even with Billy Crystal uh, prominently involved, I still uh, really liked it. Monsters, Inc., Henry's favorite. Declan's favorite. Really? We have a uh, consensus. Certainly the movie... I, you know what? It, it might, it's, it's very close between Cars and Monsters, Inc., but I will say that he watched Monsters, Inc. By, the most by far. By far. Yeah. I can recite Monsters, Inc. to you probably. Well, what, what I did today was I read them all off to Henry, and he, he didn't even think too much. He said Monsters, Inc. Uh, but I think the one I've seen the most that he watched the most when he was real little was Toy Story 2. I feel like we saw Toy Story 2 8 billion times. I uh, I went through the Pixar movies with Jesse, and she was like, "Oh, that's good, oh, that's good, oh, that's good." And then I got to Coco, and she was like, "Ah, oh, that's the one. That is the best Pixar movie." And I was like, "Really? Better than The Incredibles? Yes." And she was like, "Better than Up?" And she was like, "Uh, is it? Yes, better than Up." Coco was the one I accidentally saw in like the super high death because I accidentally bought a ticket to like the giant screen. <laughs> it looked really great though. It looked really great. Me and the kids saw it and I was like, wow, this looks really cool like this. You know, of course it cost 
four thousand dollars. Yes, yes, that's the uh... especially the the afterlife stuff looked especially cool like that. Agreed. Agreed. Um, what? So I guess we're getting into. Um, so we get, we we have our kids uh, picks. Um, what would out of all the Pixar movies, if you had to just gun to your head, you have to pick the best one. Your favorite Pixar movie. What would it be? Inside oh. Out. Yeah, that's up there. Very Inside Out. That wrecked me. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, I, I agree. It's, I don't think it's my favorite, but as uh, we'll get to Tearjerker, um, and uh, um, I would go with uh, The Incredibles. That's my favorite. Um, Justin, I, it was just uh, it was just so fun. I mean, it, and it was it just really well done, action packed. Um, lived up to its name and um what do you think of incredibles 2 i uh it grew on me at first i was like no nah, this isn't working and then about halfway through i was like no this is doing it and uh at the end i definitely enjoyed it i like that better than the first one really yep yeah i thought it was funnier and i liked all the action in it the action was great I am not ready to say it's better than the first, but it was, I think it was just, I, I think for me, it, uh, it started off slow and, uh, and I was like, I don't get what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And then once it, 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 it kicked in and once it kicked in, I was like, ah, oh, this is great. Um, so, um, but uh, I'm, I'm going with the Incredibles is the best. Mm-hmm. What uh, would you now? What would you say is the worst Pixar movie? That's a tough one. I don't know. <laughs> I know so, someone's got to win. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It is That's a hard impossible, one. Impossible question, Beef. Yeah. I don't it's, dislike any of them. I know. I guess if I had to pick a movie that I'm like, eh, I can, or put it this way, I was I was disappointed, and you are going to be like, Beave is drunk, and I don't like when he drinks and then gives his opinion. But he's I, no mank. <laughs> In the Pixar version of mank. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you will cry as Mank drinks bottle after bottle. Uh, I Mank voiced by Bo Burnham. <laughs> I was ready for uh, Ratatouille to be a just a classic because everyone's like, "This is the one. This is the best." The finally, I feel like people always say that to you. <laughs> this is the they do they walk up to all your conversations with people i do i say well you know (laughs) hi how are you and they say beef (laughs) see one pixar movie 
make it ratatouille. All these oh. dramatic, hushed tone conversations about. Uh, and I'm like, oh my god, oh my gosh, people take me into their confidence, Len. If- <laughs> take me into their confidence. What movie? <laughs> Michael Byer. <laughs> it's ratatouille. People like me because I, you know, am good to them. Unlike you, I give compliments. Um, and I dispense uh, compliments. <laughs> Please. When was the last time you complimented anyone? Uh, He'll come to you. Give me, give me a few minutes. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I, I really, I think I was just disappointed because I, and and that's really, I, I think more like, I, I was ready to, for like, okay, this is the greatest Pixar movie of all time, and it wasn't. I, it, no, I actually, I, I, you know what? I don't think that's a bad pick. Because um, I don't think. Uh, Ratatouille, I thought I liked, but I don't think it was the greatest. Yeah, I guess if I had to be, if I had to pick something besides Ratatouille, I'd go um, Finding Dory. Yeah, because Finding um, Dory is not like a real expansion on Finding Nemo. So I'll, I'll go with Finding Dory. I feel like, with the exception of Toy Story, the sequels kind of like Monsters University. I didn't care for. Uh, Cars 2 gets a lot of guff. I actually kind of enjoyed it. Um, I think there I was ready for a real stinker and I was like, oh, this isn't so bad at all. Um, same with Cars 3. I thought I would really dislike Cars 3 and same thing. Um, but I, on the whole, I feel like the sequels don't live up to the, to the originals. I think Toy Story, they get better. Toy Story is the except absolutely. No, I know you said that, but I'm just saying they they get progressively better. I think. Agreed. Toy Story Four is great. Oh my gosh, I love Toy Story Four. Great. That almost was my favorite. I put that two. I put that number two. Yeah. It is. uh, You know, another movie that I was, and I don't want to say that I I I was underwhelmed despite the material, and that is Soul. Um, I was. I thought it was a lovely movie, um, but I didn't, I, I was not moved. I was ready for the tearjerker moment and, um, and it never came maybe because my heart is twisted and black. And uh, it's because you were sitting there squeezing a rubber ball going Tina Fey. <laughs> That's it. That's, That's how it. you missed the heartwarming moments. It was a roller coaster of emotion. I'd be like, ah, jazz, listen to the jazz. <laughs> ah, Finally, they get it. They get it. Tina Fey ruining everything. Exactly. I was laughing so hard when I (laughs) realized it was about jazz. (laughs) Tina Fey embodying a jazz man. Someone so devoted to jazz that they were going to not go to the great beyond. (laughs) Tina Fey. Is the hero <laughs> so much? I'm surprised you made it to the podcast. It was such an emotional roller coaster for you. <laughs> I think I was just left numb by it. Just left numb. Life has no meaning. I can't feel. Finally, a fantastic topic. And, and they and they do this. The one person they could have picked. 
of all, it'd be like, all the artists out there. It'd be like the Steve Wins, Winwood story soundtrack <laughs> by Def Leppard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> voiceover. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, those are the those are the emotions that you feel. Or, or you know, stand up documentary shack. <laughs> yeah, that's what it would be like. Someday someone will make a documentary on the life of Shaq. That'd be fine. <laughs> on the on his stand up career. No, that part. I don't think he. Fine. First of all, Shaq does not do stand up. <laughs> I think we should. I think we. I think we owe our listeners who are <laughs> probably very familiar with your history with your beef with Shaq, your Twitter, your Twitter feuds. <laughs> Shaq makes something. Oh, look, I'm funny, and Len's like, "God, stop it! You suck. You're not funny. <laughs> Delete your account." Oh. Yes, that sounds like me. Delete your account. You're always saying that. <laughs> yeah, Alex uh, had a. I mean, you're saying that to Alex like every other day. Um, although he really liked Mank, and was what? Yeah, he was going on. Yeah, he was going on and on about how amazing it was and how it. Oh, he's so quippy. He's so quippy. Be sweep the Oscars. What a neglected artist Mank is. Be. <laughs> Oh, by the way, I have to go to the Dakotas this weekend. So I need to be off starting Wednesday. That's okay, Alex. <sighs> Len is disgusted. I'm disgusted. Um, you know, uh, what, uh, what character out of all the um, Pixar, or yeah, it doesn't have to be. Uh, just one, but what, what got, are some what are some characters for you that really stand out? I have five for you. Love it. I have Rex from Toy Story. All the Toy Stories. Every time Rex talks, I laugh. He kills me. He's my favorite. Uh, I love Sully in Monsters, both Monsters movies. Yep. Inside Out, Joy and Anger. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Hader's great. Bill Hader's uh, voicing of anger, yeah, hilarious. And and Joy's just the heart of the movie. And uh, Toy Story Four, Duke Kaboom. Um, the <laughs> everything Duke Kaboom does in Toy Story Four is good. Okay. Uh, I um. I'm uh, I'm going to go with um, I, I'm going to go with uh, Buzz Lightyear. Um, I just think he's a he's he's a putz, <laughs> and uh, but uh, um, but I think uh, uh, you know he's 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 very uh, it's very easy to kind of just put him into one uh, category, but he's just like he's. He's, his arc is the most interesting out of all of those um, to me. Um, Buzz, Buzz is Henry's favorite. Yeah. He had, when he was little, he, he had every type of Buzz. 
progressively larger. He still has the giant one. <laughs> Loves Buzz Lightyear. I uh, I like the um, uh, Edna in um, in the Incredibles. Like, no capes. Oh yeah. <laughs> no capes. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Forgot about her. Very funny. And uh, what's funny is that uh, the voice of Edna is uh, the director of the movie Brad Bird. Yeah. He yeah. plays. He plays. Uh, um, I liked. Um, I liked the. Uh, <laughs> this is so dumb, but I liked the two little Italian cars in Cars that were they would drive up and talk in Italian, and be like, oh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, very funny. Um, and I also. I also liked Mater um, in, in uh, which is funny because I cannot stand Larry the Cable Guy. Mm. Um, but I, he would make but me laugh. Mater's like the hero. Yeah. He's like the hero of course. Yeah. He would, he would make me laugh and uh, like very human and just a, um, just a great guy to, uh, um, to root for. Um, the other person that uh, I liked uh, was um, I can't I can't think of his name the the main character in Up um, uh, the old man yeah I thought he was just great really funny um, Up is a great movie oh that first ten minutes I'm like wh- what what are you doing to me <laughs> you know what well, you know when I watched Up the night before Henry was born oh my God I put it on. It was great. Yeah. I was like, this is killing me. It was yeah, like a, right. little prepara- a little preparation for me. Oh, man. Nothing yeah. like uh, just settling in. Yeah. <laughs> Lord. And that was the first one I liked because, I, like I said, I, I, I'd seen maybe Toy Story, maybe one other one. And I was just like, eh. And uh, after that, I pretty much liked everything. The... Um... The last, uh, <laughs> the last uh, character that I really I laughed at so hard all the time was uh, the character Roz, who this, the crusty, hard-bitten uh, desk uh, worker in Monsters Inc. Who'd be like, Wazowski, <laughs> you didn't turn in your tape ass for my hello, Roz, and aren't you? May I say you're looking lovely today? Yeah. But wouldn't she say something when she walked in? She had like a entrance line, didn't she? Yeah, I can't. Uh, Let me see if I could find it. Let's talk about something else while I try to find what her line was. But those, um, those were. I, I really liked Sully, and I didn't mind uh, Wazowski uh, either. No, those are those are really good movies. Yeah, yeah, I like those a lot. I'm watching you. <laughs> Watching you, Wazowski. Always watching. Always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'd leave. That was a movie that was like, I can count on one hand the number of uh, movies that I enjoyed Billy Crystal in. Uh, that is one of them. <laughs> Normally, Billy Crystal, uh, he ranks, I, he's more annoying than Tina Fey. Um, oh my gosh. So, you know, Billy Crystal's going to be in Soul, too. You probably will be. They'll he'll team up with Tina Fey. 
<laughs> Fay Crystal. <laughs> this time they'll uh, they'll ruin the Beatles. They'll do a Pixar movie on the Beatles. <laughs> and, the Monsters uh, Inc. The voice of Roz is Bob Peterson. I know. A, sl- <laughs> a slug like monster with a raspy voice. <laughs> Roz. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But those are my uh those are my uh my favorite uh characters. Um what Pixar movie made you laugh the most? What's the funniest one? Hmm. I gotta think about that one. The nonstop yucks. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I pick for that. They're all I know. I feel like you first think about the emotional content. At least I do. Which is interesting, yeah. But they are they are funny, most of them are. Toy Story usually has some funny stuff in it. Maybe I don't know. Monsters Inc.'s pretty funny. Maybe Monsters, Monsters Inc. is pretty funny. Yeah, maybe that one. You know, I um I mean I really liked <laughs> I mean, I laughed really hard at Toy Story 2. Um, and that's kind of like the, a lot of people just consider that the best. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I mean, people think Roy, Toy Story 2 is the best Pixar movie. I always feel like that's, it's either Finding Nemo or Toy Story 2. I feel like no. those, or, or. Um, no, we're telling the truth here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people have said Inside Out is. That's another one that uh, ranks, seems to consistently rank high. Inside Out is proof I have emotions. (laughs) (laughs) I blame my children for giving me access to my emotions. Yes. Before you were, when I knew you in the 90s, before kids, you were just a. Just a, a rock. Just uh, <laughs> nothing could touch. Nothing I'm soft in that. Uh, yeah, you really have. Uh, guess what? Guess what? Vulture picked as the best Pixar movie. Uh, Finding Nemo. No, Finding Nemo was number three. Uh, up. No, Up was. Let's see. I'm not even getting up yet. Let's see where Up is. Well, they didn't rank up very well. They put, oh, up is 10. But they put Ratatouille ahead of up. This One more is, guess. One this more guess. Is, this list is false. <laughs> okay, this is the number, the, the best Pixar movie of all time. According to Vulture. As picked by Vulture. Uh, I will go with Coco. Wally, yeah, which I watched today for the first time. I really liked Wally. Yeah, uh, I'll say a couple things about that. First, our friend <laughs> Bruce Hollett, when Beeve told me the topic was Pixar movies and challenged me to name one, the best I could do was the one with the trash can robot who is all alone in the future. <laughs> Wait, did he like put that on our page or something? Because that's what he told me. And I was like, you mean Wally? He put it under um, my dessert posting. 
See, he is someone whose heart is uh, made of stone. Because um, I was like, wait, what's your, what's your podcast topic? And I was like, we're doing Pixar movies. Like, huh? <laughs> Come on, you have two daughters who are lovely, intelligent people. You don't watch Pixar? What are you watching? Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, but Wally was not what I expected. I didn't know much about Wally. I knew it was about a robot. But I was expecting, like, here's Wally the robot bonding with a child. No, here's Wally wandering around doing his job in a post apocalyptic right? hellscape. Right? It's like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Him and, him and his cockroach. And uh, not what I expected at all. And but it's it's good. I, I I was watching it with Darby, but Darby had already seen it, and they both liked it. She and Henry, but I, I'm surprised kids like that movie. <laughs> like, both my kids really liked it. Really liked Wally. Maybe it's just because it's a robot, so it doesn't really hit you when you're a kid. I think when you're a kid and you watch these kinds of cartoons, I I think it just doesn't. You know, so much just goes over their heads. And so they're like, oh, this is, no, he's in in kind of trouble here. But it it doesn't really hit I guess they're having an an evacuation sale. Oh, well. (laughs) Yeah. Fred Willard is telling everyone to leave Earth. Yeah. I'm like, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's like, I mean, can you imagine like trying to, pitch a Hollywood executive. So I've got this story about a robot and there's really not much dialogue. And uh, he, you know, and, um, and just like go through the plot of Wally. I, I, it's amazing that that story got greenlit. Yeah. Know, it's the today's... first half hour is like an art film. Very much, very much so. Here you go. Okay. <laughs> Let's have a bleak landscape. <laughs> Wait, so this movie's for kids? What? Oh, there's a Rubik's Cube in it. It'll be fine. <laughs> I was like, what is this? <laughs> and I read some critics' reviews afterwards, and most of the critics liked it, but one cr- couple critics were like, oh, they sold out at the end. Like, you do realize this is a Pixar movie. Right. It's for kids. I'm sorry that Wally found a friend and got these people that were obviously depressed to come back to earth i'm so sorry right spoiler alert oh anyone's gonna complain to us but the movie came out the um 13 years ago i think all the all the kids that listen to jag bags <laughs> all our, all our, jag bag our, juniors we call them all our kid audiences will be like <laughs> once again they wreck <laughs> they wreck everything I was uh, all set to watch Cobra Kai before they ruined it. Yeah. 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 What else? Uh, well, go ahead. I was going to say the other uh, category we have is, of course, the, the movie that pulled on your heartstrings the most. Um, For me, it's, it's the same. It's Inside Out. Mm-hmm. But you could say that. Well, my, I wrote, actually wrote down my top five movies. Okay. And the, the top four are all ones that just 
destroy you. Yeah. Inside out. I mean, it's. Yeah. Ridiculous. How old's a girl in inside out? She's like a tween maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just yeah. moving away from her friends and having a hard time. Yep. That's just kills you. Mm-hmm. And what's the uh, boing 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 the boing boing saga? Yep. Yep. There's a lot going on. Oh my god. In this movie. Agreed. And uh, Toy Story four because Woody leaves his friends at the end. Yep. That's a rough one. Toy Story three, I think. Toy Story 3 and Inside Out are the two worst ones. Because Toy Story 3, when he gives the toys away. Uh, yeah. I was like, I need some time alone. <laughs> the, the, the stupid, the, the, the stupid I dust need to pro- you do no one talk to me. <laughs> the stupid dust in the movie theater. Oh my gosh. That would ruin me. And I talked about Up. Those are the four that that wrecked me the most, I think. Not Coco? No, not so much. Why why Coco? Explain Coco. Well, I think that uh, it's just a very, um, it's so like, just like generations and family. And um, it's so it's, it's, it's like, to me, it's like the most epic of Pixar movies in that it's, um, you know, you're dealing with generations connecting um, and it deals to me with death, the question of death, um, you know, much more, um, much more thoughtfully than other Pixar movies, in my opinion. I mean, I mean, death, that's like a heavy topic for kids. Yeah, yeah. but I, th- I think for me, the villain is, is such a horrible villain in it. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of deflects that a little for me. Mm-hmm. You're so angry about the villain. Right. But you don't really get caught up in the emotion of uh, people, you know, losing loved ones and stuff like that. Yeah. I think I'm more like, get that guy. Right, right. And of course, I think that um, up is, especially those first 10 minutes, I'm like, what, what the hell's going on? Jesus. Yeah, God. God. Um, Those. (laughs) That's like the test. Are you a sociopath? Put on these Pixar movies, and if you, (laughs) no emotion registers on your face when you watch the ones we've just been talking about. There's something wrong. Yeah. See. uh, Get. Get help. Yeah. So Uh, Bruce Holland, if you're listening, (laughs) this is the test for you. Who else do we know? Tim Amos maybe should watch these. Uh, Tim Tim Amos uh, has told me that uh, just down with Pixar. Well, he liked cars because it's about racing. <laughs> yeah, well, he's a sociopath then. <laughs> We've always known that. Um, that's all I've got for um, uh, for Pixar. Uh, so I still haven't seen. The Good Dinosaur or Onward. What did you see? Brave? Mm-hmm. What'd you think, Brave? I I really liked Brave because it's basically a fairy tale. Um, and they really try to just go against all the 
all the tropes um, that you see in a fairy tale and um, the, um, and, it, and it's very empowering, uh, especially for young girls. I liked it because my daughter, Jesse saw it at a very early age and said, you know, I want, you know, I want to be like um, uh, Marita, the, the, you know, I want to be like her because she's a, you know, she was a, a warrior and an archer and that's what I want to be like. And so it was, she's like, I'm going to win every, what's the thing she does? The ninja thing where she my ultimate every, ninja now wins every competition she's in now. Uh, I mean, she, uh, um, she does well. I mean, these ninjas, uh, this is no joke. You can get, you can get hurt. You can get hurt doing that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, all part of it because they, they, uh, um, you know, they encourage, uh, you know, achievement and uh, um, action, um, putting stuff into action as opposed to using, you know, your quote unquote wiles. And um, I, I, I would put it in the bottom tier for me personally and it was nothing that was like oh my god rave yeah but as far as i mean pixar can do no pixar can do no wrong yeah so it's, it's 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 a it's, it's a it's an excellent movie i'm still shocked by wally i really am it's <laughs> like what <laughs> what and it, and there's like you said there's nothing there's not even like dialogue at the beginning right it's just this robot doing stuff right <laughs> that was probably one of the most surprising things I've ever seen movie-wise as far as what I expected but let me say one last thing about uh, Pixar and that's what, how we're talking about moving scenes how about this one Laura makes fun of me uh, because when March Madness got canceled last year she said I was in the basement listening to Sarah McClaka Clacka yes, yes. I don't know if it is it Toy Story 2 where uh, Jesse gets, you know, abandoned. Yes, and it's the Sarah McClacka Clacka song that's playing. Yes, we learn the uh, we learn the Jesse story through Sarah McClack. Oh my Clack. gosh! Yeah, that's another sociopath test. <laughs> if your heart doesn't break into pieces when you hear that, if you're like whatever, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> That's why she was there for me when March Madness canceled, got canceled. Were you? Were you? I picture you down there, uh, sadly, uh, looking at uh, U.S. Reed <laughs> half-court shot highlights. <laughs> the sound down, sadly, while playing Sarah McLaughlin, drinking greatest, a Mr. Pibb, watching Tyus Etney hit a game winner the, with uh, the best of Sarah McLaughlin, <laughs> Harold uh, Arsenal. Mike Miller. Yep. Playing in Tate George. <laughs> playing in the background. That was a sad day. <laughs> I think that I'm going to instruct Declan to make a new Jag Bags theme. And I want it to have, be Sarah McClack. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, our silver tongues doing the best. To I think this that. is what's called a microaggression. <laughs> Here we know how to say pronounce her last name. We're just choosing not to, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, what else can we say about Pixar? 
That's it. I think we're good. I think so too. We were pretty efficient tonight. We were. And, um, uh, what do we get? What do we have on the, uh, the docket for next week? We're going to be discussing the career of Denzel Washington and my best Denzel Washington movie bracket, which is coming up the next, uh, next Facebook bracket. Yeah. May 1st. That should be a great one. Mm-hmm. You've done a lot of great stuff. We haven't done a uh, actor uh, profile episode in a while. I think the last one we did was wasn't the last one we did Nicholas Cage. I think so. That was a very popular one. It was. Our uh, when we when we highlight the career of a single uh, um, actor, um, those tend to do well. If there's one that you'd like to. Uh, see us do please drop us a note either on twitter or on instagram or on facebook and we'll bring it up in staff meetings and hold it to a vote yep also musicians musician ones like led zeppelin last week very popular if you want us to go through any other musicians discography or any other topic just let us know yeah 38 special yes I don't think we've gotten any feedback on 38 special. I think people are afraid of their feelings and we should respect them. Oh, could be, you know, anyway, real quick, we're almost done. We're we're good. We're good on time, right? Four hours on 38 special. (laughs) I did get a fax from our listener, um, Garrett Montefusco. And he did say, he, he said he didn't think, uh, 38 special two episode podcast was a good idea. Maybe one is what he said, but he feels that he's not sure that wild eyed Southern boys is the best. He's like, what about special forces with the timeless caught up in you or toward the force from 1984 with two big hits. If I'd been the one and back where you belong. So Garrett, thank you for your email. Yes, thank you, Garrett. I, I might go with Tour de Force, Garrett. I don't know about Wild Eyed Southern Boys. First of all, you know, Garrett and you take the safe route when it comes to 30. What a, what a just a textbook way to go out on a limb on 38 Special. I mean, just, uh, just go that just tried and true route. But I, I crave makes, adventure. I <laughs> and that is why. Garrett makes good points, Beef. Garrett makes some good points. Garrett is, you know, Garrett likes Dad 38 special. Listen, Garrett is listening to this live. He's one of our elite Jag Bags members. So and because what you say. Because I care about Garrett, <laughs> I want to help him appreciate 38 special and do it correctly. And I think a four-hour podcast, maybe four and a half. I, I don't think I'm asking for all that much. Would it would help people like like Garrett? With the hold on, I'm texting Regency again. Anyways, <laughs> Denzel Washington next week, everybody should be great. Thanks for everybody for listening. Like we said earlier, Led Zeppelin one very popular, and just. Give us ideas for topics you want to hear. We'll get them We're in. here for you at Jag Bags. Yes, we are. 
So uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, and uh, tune in next week. And when you're ready, put a little jag bags in your ear.